Hey friend, this podcast is brought to you by The Family Thrive, an expert-led, science-backed online community for busy parents looking to thrive. Join us at thefamilythrive.com. Letting our kids see us be vulnerable, like the other day I was crying because I was like, it was all too much again. You know, sending her to kindergarten and I was crying and Indiana saw me and she hugged me and she kind of started laughing. She was like, are you crying for real, mama? Are you... And I said, no, I'm crying because I'm feeling my big feelings right now. And I'll, I'm going to move through them and it'll be okay. But I'm feeling really sad right now. And that's okay. Then it was okay. Then we then we played again, right? Letting your kids see your passion, like your true passion, unbridled passion. Like you said, our, ki- our kids see us like live in these huge ways on huge stages for a lot of people. But then they see us in our own home with our, that same passion that's just for them and that same vulnerability that we can share collectively. And I think that you're right. That really shapes that, that, that also shapes their emotional landscape. It's something I hope our daughter carries forward. We have an amazing power couple on this episode. Lucky Diaz and Alicia Gaddis are the husband and wife duo behind the Grammy award-winning Lucky Diaz and the Family Jam Band, the Emmy award-winning PBS kids show Lishy Lou and Lucky Two, several records and books, which we'll link to in the show notes, and several more awards. They are also the parents to two amazing kids. Audra and I met Lucky and Alicia way back after Max was first diagnosed. They were the real deal from the get-go. Loving, honest, kind, and amazingly creative. Through Maxwell Project, we were able to get them into children's hospitals, and they just lit up the place. We've stayed in touch and followed them over the years as they won award after award and branched out to write books, TV shows, and movies. In this interview, we dive deep into what it means to be creative parents and partners, how they take care of themselves so they can show up as their best selves with their kids and in their work, how their art affects their parenting and parenting affects their art, and so much more. You're not going to want to miss a second of this episode. So grab some tea, or if you're listening to this on a walk or in your car, settle in for the wonderful Lucky Diaz and Alicia Gaddis. So where are we talking to you from? Where are you? Where where in the world? <laughs> well, right now we actually just got back um, from Los Angeles. We're in our home in the Midwest in Columbus, Indiana. Awesome. It's a wonderful place. Yeah. And so we kind of come here as much as we can because my folks are here and my right. brother's here. And so we come on and off during our summer tours and we try to come for the holidays. Oh, but great. now it's like... COVID, it's like more space and LA, we, we stuck it out there till we were double vaccinated. And then we came here to kind of, um, see family. And then, um, cause LA, you know, it's not LA with everything closed down. Yeah. So it's right. So we'd rather be stuck at home in a bigger house with with a lake. Like we, my parents have a lake, so our daughter can go just swimming out there whenever she wants. It's really really a sweet little town. It's like 45 minutes from Louisville. Um, and 45 minutes from 
Indianapolis. Indianapolis. And it's yeah. the number six architectural ranked city in oh, the United what? States. If you like mid-century architecture, yeah. there's like 80 plus works or something. It's like the huge Henry Moore sculpture. There's like I.M. Pei buildings, yeah. Saarinen buildings. Um, the Eames, the Eames, Ray and Charles were here and made one of their chairs wow. here. Yeah, it's it really was, cool. Yeah, so yeah, if you're like into energy. mid-century design, like this is one of the Which places. Which we are, so it's cool. Yeah, so it works out. <laughs> So five years ago, you just thought, let's get a place outside of L.A. and let's be closer to family and just kind of spread out a little bit. Yeah, five years ago was like when we had our daughter and she was born in Los Angeles. Her name's Indiana. And that was when we found out about her um, congenital hole in her heart. And I kind of had like a panic, like just was, you know, freaking out and thought, I can't do this by myself. I want to be closer to family. It was... And so we thought we were going to move here full time. And then I've never lived here in my life. I wasn't raised here. My parents moved here when I was living in New York. So um, I, we don't come, I don't come back as like knowing people. But so then we came here in the winter and bought this house that wasn't restored at the time. And we were like, what are we doing here? This isn't, this is worse than we thought. Like I thought it was, I had like, imagine. So then our goal was to get back to LA, but keep this house and we've juggled it and then we renovated it. And then we also have a, um, we have a rental space that in our back, like we lucky totally oh, renovated cool. the garage into being a beautiful studio and, um, in law suite. So when we're not here, we can rent that out. We like tried to create ways to make it work for our family. So that way now we kind of get best beautiful. of both worlds. So beautiful. You know, being a Californian myself, I just really love being Californian and I can't, I mean, I've lived all, in many places around the world, but there's something about the California promise. I think that resonates mm-hmm. inside of me. And so that, that energy is something that I think we both thrive on a lot and I love it yeah. here, but I think that it's also, you know, nice to have that. It's so. so great to come here and kind of heal in all, in all ways. Like we try to really mm-hmm. focus on healing when we're here mm-hmm. um, with the space and the food and, you know, the, and everything's slower. I think, yes. I think you, you can probably speak you're experiencing this yourself. Yeah. Slovanna. Sure, yeah. Yeah. We oh, sure man. are. <laughs> Slovanna. He like so loved slow. that. Lucky was like, I love it. It's so slow. Now he's like, on this farm road. Like you have, down a notch you know so it's i mean it's teaching it's both things and and it's important for us that indiana have both worlds you know she Mm because i was raised in the midwest um you know obviously but i always wanted to be out like i just was like you know i think i think it actually speaks to both i think it speaks to both of our both of us yes both of us are so um i don't know what the word it is i'm looking for but kind of specific we have a very clear point of view And so I think that like it's our our way of staying married and and fulfilling each of those. Absolutely, yeah. I think we have an equality in our relationship that speaks to extending that to our daughter, I guess. And I think that's I guess the our location jumping speaks to that because you know I really feel that it's important to honor both of our heritages Mm. in our kids. And so there's a real culture that Alicia comes from that I think is very important. And there's a culture that I come from. So we're both very, and they don't exist in the same way. Right. So I love that. I love this. And I'm, and I'm sensing that the home in Indiana and the home in Los Angeles is really the manifestation of, of a theme in your lives Mm. and in your work. That is there's there, there's this like, 
entertainment, you know, uh, artistic. So I see that as the LA. And then it's like about kids and about family and about, you know, like home. And so you have the Indiana part and yeah, like it seems perfect for you. It's true. It's where that that's very, that's very observant. I think that we're, we're very, very like, like we are who we are. So we're very like public people in a lot of ways. Like, how we are, what we think, what mm-hmm. we do. It's like, we're not like one mm-hmm. way and then the other, but we're also very quiet, you know, and, and what, like you said, that, that back to center all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you're constantly out, you have to bring it back in and that helps us in all yeah, ways. I, I think it's cool too, because, you know, Alicia and I grew, grew up in, in total 180 degree opposite upbringings. Like I grew up more towards in the city, city living, like uh, more a, a crazier kind of existence. And Alicia grew up in a place that was calm and quiet and more rural at times. And so I think that we each both want the opposite thing. I, I want more yeah. of that. And she wants the city part of it. And so like it really <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, when you all go to dinner and you don't like the onions, but maybe <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, okay, I'll eat that thing and you eat this thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So maybe I think it's kind of like that too. And our daughter bit. right now likes both, you know, Indiana, Ella, you know, Ella wasn't here for when we had the house, but now she comes, she comes in the summer. Yeah, she, she, was comes, just but here. she doesn't get a, yeah, she was just here. She just left, but <laughs> we, but she, we always came back to Indiana and stayed with my parents with her. So we both, we want the girls to, you know, find out who they are and our extreme privilege is being able to expose them both to both I, things. Absolutely. You know, that's, yeah. that we definitely know. We that's definitely consider ourselves very fortunate to be able to do it. And at times it's very challenging to we maintain, made a lot of sacrifices. To, ma- to maintain two places <laughs> yeah. and to maintain two, everything right so we have double of everything like two coffee makers two toasters two <laughs> right you know there's two solutions right. two problems at the same time you know and so like but um, it's always been our collective dream of doing that yeah, you know and so, so we like did it it's really next cool. we want to place neither uh <laughs> i'm with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah either one absolutely yeah. well it just occurs to me the conversation about california i know we really felt like moving to Savannah and uh, and I'm back in California every other month. And so it's a, it's similar it kind of feels like a little bit of a bi-coastal vibe. And, and I do have a very special place in my heart for California, although I'm not from California, I'm from cornfields in upstate New York. So much more like Alicia. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's so, it was so powerful to break out of the California bubble for us in our work. And as a family, it was really striking to just have this realization of how intense that bubble is. It was like when we lived in Manhattan, you know, it is you are you feel like you're at the center of the world and to be able to go somewhere and be somewhere where where life is really pretty radically different. You know, we're in a culture that's radically different. Um, And then I I guess just just diving off of that concept, I'd love to know. How you're feeling lucky as a native, native Californian with that California magic about Californian COVID. Do you have any, any reflections on, on that as you get to go into your healing space and in, uh, in, in your home there in the Midwest? It's, you know, and I think that it's been a real saving grace to be able to, to exit here, to mm. come here. Um, it's been a solution. We had a, a lot of our friends, um, packed up. They just left Los Angeles and California because they simply couldn't afford the creative class in the state, as you know, is really suffering. Mm-hmm. And it's the creative class generally suffers through 
through always suffers, right? And it's always kind of right. like if you, you know, and it's kind of similar, I'd imagine, in the work that you do, you kind of just get to the next marker, right? You <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah. oh, wow. Like, you could, I'm sure there's nice, you just sit down and you look at each other and like, wow, we made it one more week, one more month. One <laughs> that's more right. Year. That's right. And I think that that's been uh, catastrophic for the creative class in California. I always joke that I love California, but California doesn't love me sometimes, you know? Oh, and, I know. Uh, I feel like I know that feeling. Yeah. It's not a bad <laughs> thing. It's just that. No. I, I think that in a time of COVID, California has a lot of things going for it. The weather's fantastic mm-hmm. or, you know, you can be outside and socially. I feel a responsibility that's more carried throughout us, uh, like culturally there. That's mm-hmm. not existing so much here in the Midwest and the responsibility. I think when you go out to places like California where people um, congregate from other places, the feel, the, the feeling of community exists in a different way in which that I think that there is a more, there's a stronger commitment to supporting one another, regardless of whatever your background is, you know, because we're all alone, right? We're all, we all find ourselves there with a dream and we all try to band together to accomplish that goal. And in places like the Midwest that it's different in the sense that that community is grown in other places like churches or, or, right. or job sites or family. Right. And it's a different kind of support system where there is more fear. There's more questions about why should I support someone else? And I think that that's been uh, really, I guess, exposed more so. And at the same time, it's um, yeah, it's so complex, right? It's so complicated because I miss, you know, we were just in LA last week and, you know, we saw and did a, we ran a bunch of errands quickly and stuff. And we were so relieved that, you know, mask wearing was a lot easier and just navigating the space was easier as opposed easier, to easier. You mean more prevalent. Yeah. It was, like just it was more like, existence. we didn't have to stress out going into a shop because it was like a mask oh. sign was up. And Interesting. Like, it's like, there's no sign. Like everyone's just like, doesn't exist. I mean, now it's kind of like, well, wait, it's we remember it does, but it, <laughs> yeah, uh, but not in Indiana though. Oh, there it's, I did, Yeah. I wouldn't there, say you know, that there's, there's like, any no. mask wearing or COVID it's protocols so, in Indiana We didn't go to the farmer's market yesterday, yesterday yeah, because we were too stressed too, out for our, much, our daughter yeah. because yeah. it was just like, it's a different thing. I, so I think that yeah. like California has an opportunity, I think also to, shine in, in troubled times, you know, because there's always a place of promise. Um, and I think it's doing that in a lot of ways, but I also see it exposed in so many ways, you know, that it's tough, you know, but I think it's everywhere. Right. I think that like, yeah, I think we've so. all been through such a difficult time and, you know, I love being a Californian. I love, I, I really feel pride in it, you know? And so, and I know Alicia does as well. And you know, I'm not speaking for you, but I know that you're, I know that you like, being a yeah, it's, anyway, it's interesting so. because you know from uh, you from what I'm hearing from you all being I, I spent you know 18 years of my life in in the Midwest and then I but I've been gone for longer than that so and in California for over 15 and so it's it's an interesting thing when you're the dichotomy is is in you as well especially when you're viewing events like this and how the different parts of the different people in your life are dealing with it your family and the people you grew up with and the your chosen family and the people you're choosing to surround yourself with speaking to that i think that california has a beautiful aspect of and not everybody you know it's not of course like, yeah. It's a a yeah but i think that california has a really great accessibility to, to 
care, self-care, and just access to care. And, you know, I know that you both recognize this in, in a lot, a huge way, right? Absolutely. But being a type 1 diabetic myself and even for, you know, having access to, to care and things is, is something that California excels at, you know, like it's, it's something that, that is more accessible there than I would say in middle America. And uh, that's an interesting, that's been an interesting experience during COVID, you know, and saying, well, if I was like in LA, like I can be treated in an hour, I can go somewhere and get that done. It's so right? true. It's, it's so true. You, 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 wait months yeah the access to resources alone to a red onion at a grocery store or you know the the things that you that you take for granted right but coming for us moving from orange county to savannah was really interesting because uh you know orange county is not la and we're seeing that divisiveness that i did not expect to see being you know living 15 years in california that we're not seeing in savannah georgia oh interesting have a much stronger community here, you know, much stronger sense of rallying around your neighbor and not putting people at risk. That's wonderful. It is. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's amazing. So it's so dynamic just across the country, right? These experiences. <laughs> but also oh. Orange County is a weird, weird place. It's so true. We, uh, it all true. love to Orange County, but uh, yeah. It, all right. So, uh, <laughs> but Sorry, I'm just so just curious like about the bubble <laughs> and all of that. Yeah. And before we get into um, Justin's questions which are awesome and your background and how you met and all these great things i do want to just check in on indiana you you mentioned that she has a congenital heart a hole in her heart it's a congenital uh effect if you will how's she doing thanks for asking um she's doing great i mean great as a like you know hitting all the physical markers that she should you know it, it was interesting. She just she just entered kindergarten. This was her second <laughs> and a half day, and I mean, talk about the anxiety and the stress. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, we just didn't know what to do, so we ended up putting her in a small Montessori school because oh, great. At the most intense COVID guidelines. <laughs> yes, I, yes. I was like, mm-hmm. and they had the smallest population. The smallest too. population. Yeah. Wonderful. Yep. Wonderful. It has a lot of things going for it outside. Like it was like checking the most boxes. I mean, I'm a product of that as a young child. So. And I'm like, my parents are public school teachers, <laughs> so it took a lot. My mom was a public school kindergarten teacher for 35 years. Oh. Wow. Yeah, amazing. And my <laughs> aunts are all kindergarten teachers. Like literally, we're, they're all teachers in the public school. So, anywho, I digress. But part of it was both. We went back well, before we came here. We had to go to her um, biannual cardiology appointment, and she was supposed to have heart surgery before entering kindergarten. And so it was just like, I mean, uh, my tendency when we go to intense uh, doctor's appointments is I start blacking out and like, yeah. I can't process the information. So we've come up with, and it was only one person at a time can go into these big things because of COVID. And usually he like, I deal with her and he kind of processes what's being told to us. And this time he couldn't come in. So I had to like FaceTime the doctor and be like, here, talk just to my husband while I like look at the all the heart monitors in the dark room me. <laughs> And previously she had, they had, there was like a flap of skin that looked like it was kind of close, like just kind of flapping over the hole. And it wasn't there this time, which was a huge letdown. And there's nothing you can do about that. But at the same time, he was like, let's hold off on the heart surgery because she's doing fine. She can literally live with this up until, you know, a certain point. And then she may experience all these horrible things. But if she's not at this moment, 
then it's okay. And she's very aware of her condition. She knows uh, mask wearing has been trickier because she has a problem processing oxygen. So she can't get enough. It's like her heart works double right. to get oxygen. Right. So it's like intense mask wearers. Oh. And the heat hears a lot. And we have her um, wear a mask outside. So it's a lot when she goes to school and it was 106 and she has a mask on. Oh, and so gosh. it's a lot to process. But she knows. She knows what to do. She knows to like... Hopefully. So that's, you know, as a mom and dad, I can't speak for you, but I will. But as like a dad, a parent letting her off into not being able to be like, take your mask off, go to the side, take your drink of water, breathe because she gets, you oh. know, so you have to kind of prep the teachers and her teachers have been amazing, but yeah, she's doing well. well, like um, psychologically, she's doing super well physically. I mean, yeah. that we couldn't ask for more really. Well, I mean, she's, you know, it's a great opportunity again. I mean, in talking about location because the opportunity for her to be in a small class here and mm-hmm. have this experience is something I don't think we can do in Los Angeles. Not because we couldn't find a similar school, just because there's volume. There's just sheer the volume. more people. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So a Montessori school doesn't have right. a student population of like 200 kids or 100 kids. You know, have one of like 1,000 kids, right? Which is still within reason when you have a public school that has like 5,000 kids. Right, right. right. So Quality it's, of it's life a, issue, you know, you, that you've is, been able to provide it, for her. Yeah, totally. And so I think it'll be interesting when we do go back to Los Angeles, which we're thinking about maybe probably December, January. And And then she'll go to school there. But we'll see like what that, you know, and she'll go to a great school there as well. But thankfully, we've chosen our our place where we live based on the school district. (laughs) As as, as parents do. (laughs) Everyone does everywhere. (laughs) I'm sure that was a consideration. I mean, it's a big deal. So yeah, but I think she's but thank you for asking. But she's she's a happy funny kid you know it's like that yes. age where they just their personality is just it's like the best. <laughs> it's the best oh, so beautiful yeah. a decade ago audra and i received news no parent ever expects to hear your four-year-old son has brain cancer In that hospital room in Orange County, California, we had our fair share of tears and despair. But we also vowed that we would use this to help our family thrive no matter what. A decade later, after starting a nonprofit that has served thousands of childhood cancer families, we're on a mission to bring all of the amazing researchers, doctors, therapists, and other experts we've worked with to all families everywhere. That's why we created The Family Thrive, an online platform and community of top health and wellness experts and parents like us who are looking to thrive against the odds. There's fresh daily expert articles on topics that matter to parents like us, like how to cook a superfood meal in under 20 minutes, or the latest sleep science that can boost our kids' mental health, or simple things we can do to thrive as parents. We have top credentialed experts breaking it all down into bite-sized chunks of actionable wisdom. And you know when they say it takes a village to raise a family? Well, this is our village, and it's filled with quick-bite expert wellness information and conversations that are designed specifically for busy parents. And when you're ready to dive deeper, we also have group-based workshops written and led by PhD researchers, psychologists, and clinical dietitians. This village is all on your phone, at your fingertips, whenever you need it. Join for free today at thefamilythrive.com. All right, so between you both, you have produced over a dozen records, 
a television show, several books, have won multiple Emmy Awards, Grammy Awards, a Parents' Choice Gold Award from the Parents' Choice Foundation, a National Parenting Product Award. And I just want to, like, you guys are a big deal. So am I missing anything? And the Grammy is is also Latin Grammy, right? Like, many. I feel like it was... This was more than once. I did plural. I I said awards, uh, plural. (laughs) This is an incredible list, you two. You know what's coming up for me right away is I have heard that for artists, performers who, you know, achieve the awards, they, they, you know, they get this recognition that they can still have a sense of like, oh my God, what's the next thing? And so, is this for you? Like, do, do you experience that? I just talked about this. this <laughs> no morning. way. Oh, it's gosh. Like, it's a morning conversation. Every morning, we're like, we're doing that. I know. And it's oh, like, oh my gosh. That's that. what I've heard. And and so, yeah. you like, you get the awards. Like, you get the, the gold star. You're some like, of the most accomplished human beings on this earth. Like, you're doing great. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then you know, you wake up the next day and like, okay, what's the next it's not thing? enough. Yeah, I mean, yes. It's very hard. Yes. What you said is 100% It's very accurate. hard, and it's hard when you put out things and then they're they're done, you know, and it's hard to know what the next goal is, and it's, you know, it sounds like, wah, wah, but it's like when you accomplish these huge things that you wanted, we're both trying to be like, what is it now that we really do actually mm-hmm. Like, what do we what do we want to do in like our souls and hearts coupled with like the doubt and the fear and the self-loathing that is in our heads as artists and we both share that so it's like thankfully often it's not at the same time (laughs) so you take turns oh yes i I, I coach each other i love that it's overwhelming that feeling is overwhelming and me personally i could only speak for myself in the sense that the reason I make things is because I've always thought it was just so much fun. I've always found so much uh, fulfillment out of creating things. And I feel that it's part of one of life's gifts to be able to have an ability just to create stuff. And at, uh, for a long time, I just thought everybody created things instantly. And I think I was like a teenager or something and I, or maybe in college. And I w- was talking to someone about even writing a song or, you know, if you asked me to write a song about like, mayo and tomato from your like your shirt and i can do i can literally do that right and i was talking to this person and they were like oh i i could never i don't even know i wouldn't even know where to start with that right and then it occurred to me that not everyone is a is like everyone has special abilities but not everyone has the same ability and then those abilities are then like in different levels right of like how depending on how much effort you give them either but i thought like it's a benefit and a detriment to have want and have this right because like yeah you you know in your heart you want to keep making things and then it's so sometimes such a struggle to make things and then when you get like this these huge validations that are like you're so great at making them and then you're like oh but I'm a fraud because that stuff isn't as good as you think it is. And so like oh. every day it's like, it's a, it's a real struggle. I think that and he's, I, that and we're different in that way. Are, yeah. He has a very much like we talk about the, like imposter syndrome. Uh, that's he, what I was just thinking. Like creative yeah, imposter syndrome or something. Or yeah. His mind's more of like a perfectionist tendency and wanting to just like produce more, better, faster, in a more profound way. Like my, like he's yeah, like, yeah, you're really, at, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. A like you like t- produce things and then doubt it immediately or like get an award and it's like not good enough. And I'm like, okay, I got this. 
I have to do better. Like I have to make another goal. I identify with you, Alicia, for mm. sure. And I think Justin's more on the side of the the nagging imposter syndrome, yeah. like tearing I, well, apart your it, work. Actually, I feel like what you what, <laughs> what you both said. Like I feel that I like feel both. I feel very doubtful and like an imposter, <laughs> and I need to produce a bunch more. And I. <laughs> And you're always like thinking, wow, I have to like make more. I, I, I don't know. I'm having a dialogue with myself about like, well, maybe I just need to stop making things maybe just for a second to give myself permission to just break. And I think that a good lesson for creatives that I'm only learning in myself is that just because like you feel like you achieve this one thing and then like, it's set. It's done. Like you're mm. so set. You're going to wake up every day and you're like, Look at me. I like, I did yeah. this thing and everyone thought it was cool and everything's great. And I know like, and I literally told Alicia two days ago, like, am I like any good at this? Like, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like that's a real conversation we're having on the porch yeah. as we're sitting watching the, like people. And I was like, you ask me this every day. That was my answer. You because ask I, me every day. Like, well, yes. Yeah. And amazing. I mean, I think there's like aspects of like, you know, I'm like, Oh, well maybe my studio needs this, this thing, this microphone or this amplifier, this thing to, to really make me better. Right. And, or maybe I'm going to find inspiration in that. And sometimes most often I do, I'll find a little bit of like a little salt and that'll be like, Oh, there's a little flavor there. That's and, important. And that that's ignites it. Right. That's Cause the gear or the, or the guitars or, or the stuff for me isn't about the stuff or accumulating it. It's about the inspiration that it brings and the story that it also brings with it. Right. Like who owned this? Like, what did they make with this thing? Is it going to give me the permission to make something now? Right. And I think that like, but also that's a slippery, dangerous slope because then you find yourself with like, well, I have all the stuff, but man, I still haven't created anything. Like, well, that's because like- that's because you've made something internal, external, right? right? So, like, what Lucky's d- d- is describing is cr- taking his his anxiety and self doubt manifestations, putting it, looking for outward change and not dealing with the voice in his head. Oh, oh, oh this is powerful. Oh, this feels like like there's a there's a lot of. Uh, room here for doing some serious inner work and uh, one thing that i've learned as a as a parent is that the more inner work that i do therapy different um emotional emotional yeah processing practices and and relationship skills and all this stuff the more work i do on this the more i can show up for my partner for my kids but then for you, there's this added thing of like, the more you show up in your, in your creativity and your work. And so I'm curious, like what sort of, uh, I'm not sure exactly the right word to use here. Modalities, therapies, self-work, like. Is there anything that works is, for you? Is there anything that, for, yeah, for, helps? Yeah. Oh my gosh, you all. I have tried everything during this pandemic <laughs> nah. because I think some of our, our ways of dealing with things were intake which were new experience, travel, those kind of things that then we can internalize. But when you're taken, when you're quarantined in a pandemic, you have to take a real good look at yourself Mm. and your partner, like what you're saying. And lucky enough, I have always been big proponents of therapy. And it's been very hard for um, to get a new therapist in this climate. Mm. Therapists Mm. are booked to the All my friends who are therapists, all my friends were trying to go to talk therapists <laughs> and book. I mean, everybody's booked, but I like, I personally am a big proponent. We both are of journaling um, every day. We talk uh, a lot. I do a med- meditation almost every day. I have like, I'm talking 
crystals, tarot <laughs> yeah. cards, drawing oh, workshops, breathing yep, workshops, yes. anything that you can do to center yourself or stop things. I'm talking like tea at night, wine at night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wine in the morning. <laughs> I, I mean, this is why it's really, I'm in a like fantastic position because Alicia has all this gravity for all this work, right? And then I get like all these like cliff notes of yes. exercises yes. or methods or aches or so i'm the beneficiary I, of that well, of those things i appreciate we that. also alicia's really into the work she's really into it also speaks to her craft as an actor and as a creative mm-hmm. and as a writer she's all about the work like that's really powerful like yeah that. yeah she likes I like work. to get work and, and i'm totally lazy so like <laughs> i'm gonna I, you know what i mean so i'm gonna just oh she, and no but you're very generous and be like you know, I read this thing today. If, if you thought about maybe <laughs> <laughs> leaving the book maybe open to a certain that. page and just like sliding it over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she's done that too. And then she say, Hey, check this out. And I'm even this morning. I was like, Oh, you know that? No, last night we're laying in bed. I was like, you know, that app calm. I was like, how about we really take a look at that? Or I'll like, be like, how about hypnotherapy? I'll send yeah. articles. I'm talking. I pick up little. I pick up little bites of it, and so like that's not to say that I don't seek out therapy. I've actually been looking for a, a new therapist. I think that it's hard to get know, a phone call back there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even you. getting a call back and stuff. But you know, I think that we're in um, a great position to. It's also sometimes tricky to have each other to, to lean on, right? So like Both we, see, we see the best yeah. and the worst of each other. And then asking for help and stuff. And yeah. I'm more internalized and being like, well, I'll just kind of, I don't shut down per se. I just, oh, yeah. I'm very quiet anyways. And so like, I'm always trying to like, I'm internalizing all these emotions and feelings and then just get really angry. I think the last 20 months have been Gosh. anger, right? Anger. Mostly. A lot of anger. A lot of anger. From both of us. And I'm not on Facebook anymore, although I have a profile and I go on Marketplace as a release, like looking for like antiques and things like silly stuff. I hear you. That's me on realtor.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Same thing. And so like, I'm like, oh, I'm going gonna, gonna to drive to St. Louis to buy something. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I don't know if that's a good idea. But I think, and that's been kind of therapeutic in a sense. Like I think Alicia and I have been seeking out our individually and together ways to cope as, and also because we, you know, the pandemic is different for people than it is for us. We're already, we were already conditioned to be together all the time. Yeah. You see, so mm-hmm. like we're Traveling together, together, the only time we were never together, apart, the, the only part of time we were with apart, our kids. we're like, so. right. if we went to the restroom or <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe, maybe someone had a dentist appointment, maybe, and even well, we had separate lives. I yeah, mean, we do, but we, but we always, we're always they together. were very intertwined. Like yeah, I would, we travel for weeks on yeah. end, months on end together as a family unit. So when the pandemic came and they and they said, well, you have to stay in your house and you have to be together. We're like, Okay. okay. I mean, yeah. we spent yeah. months of yeah. time used to in this. China. This, is, this like, is just how we are. Sounds cool. I don't yeah. say yeah. it was easy, but it was definitely, we were already conditioned for that. We already know each other so well, where I feel like a lot of couples and families didn't know each other at all, right? And then came to a realization, be like, I don't even know this person anymore. Like, I had my work, and I, I can do this for like three hours a night, and then 24 hours during the weekend, and then I'm back at it. But like, you know, for good or bad, we get to see each other all the time, which I need. I'm a real I used to be a loner. But now, unfortunately, like I need her just to breathe. Right. So fortunately, (laughs) I love it. Beautiful. I think that in answering maybe a small way, I think that we both seek individual therapeutic ways to cope and then and survive. Alicia always says survive and thrive. Yes, absolutely. That resonates with me, too. You're the one who is 
uh, going to look for the for different therapeutic approaches. To, so you mentioned all these different things. So I just have a curiosity: what right now is like really working for you, or like what right now seems to be? Well, it's it's one forty. Okay, this is like one forty. Today's the day I got to sleep in. This morning I woke up. Last night I set my crystals out. This is like last night I set my crystals out for some moonlight energy. I lit candles for release and gratitude, gratefulness. Meditated before I went to bed to "Let's Heal the Shit" by Emily Churchill, a free thing to do. Then I um, listened to more uh, another meditation on calm and read a mindful magazine with a cup of tea. I woke up this morning. I journaled in bed while cuddling my daughter and dog and he brought coffee i then did a tarot card and got up and li- listened to the music we listened to jenko Reithart oh, and danced a little bit this beautiful. was like before like those are the things i do within in like every like that's just like a like a snippet so when i say i'm desperately searching for ways to quell my anxiety but i have to i have to stay um on top of my my anxiety especially in these times because i think one of my strengths is controlling things list making control like i control our like i'm very organized i'm very uh yeah Alicia does all our finances all anything travel, that's, uh, that requires Smart <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an odd thing because I'm a creative, but with a real organized. Well, that's the Midwestern uh, party, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. No, but in order, because there's so many variables right now that I can't I, change. Like yesterday, we had this trip planned that was a redo for my birthday party because of COVID, and now we're not going to take this trip because it's going to be another COVID birthday. And it's these small things that are just adding up that feel like they're breaking um, me. Like they're like I just feel a heaviness. So I have to be proactive so that I can be like you said, Justin, a present, mindful parent and a, but I think and a partner. I, Disobserving Alicia, though, I have to say that I think the number one thing that Alicia does, I think, as a therapeutic device is talking. (laughs) (laughs) Alicia loves to be. It's so good. It's therapeutic. Yes. It's, as you said before, it is bringing what's inside outside. You're you're processing it. You're expressing it. With our daughter. Processing. Processing. That's it, Justin. That's it. That's number one, right? So it's kind of like... You know, oh, uh, like I, I, I like. I reach out to community and process there. I have an amazing support system of their moms um, and different, uh, this mom group I'm in, the pile, and they're amazing. And then, but processing with Lucky and processing with our daughter. It's a lot of talking. It's a lot of talking. Our eldest daughter's like, you, I don't, I don't, when she was little, she was like, she was like, I don't, I don't want to talk about anything else. And I mean, I think that it's important though, because, you know, Alicia's really good at identifying like problems, like, let's say like, you know, I burn something and I'm like, you know, freak out in the kitchen, like, oh man, that was expensive <laughs> cheese. And you know, it's all like gone. You know what I mean? My new phrase I, to him, if I say, is that a proper mm. emotional response? <laughs> let's just take a pause. Yeah. It's not yeah. about burning the cheese. Yeah, it's not about the waste. Ooh, no, that's yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Because the proper emotional, like my response would be like, well, it's my emotional response and it's my emotional truth. All right, so just let me start. But but your deeper question is right. Like this isn't about the cheese, Lucky. Like what is this really about? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> right. So if you said. 
said, if you said like, this is my response, like I would be like, that's valid. Like that, that is valid that you're having. And, and unfortunately <laughs> I have a lot of like, maybe my old man in me, that's more like old school. Like, you oh, know, you, rub some, yeah, you yeah. Know, rub some dirt on it. You know what I mean? That kind of vibe. Well, that's what happens. So that's what I've learned because practically every boy, at least in America, uh, is raised to repress, you know, like stop the crying, keep it down, control, control, control. Yeah. And so I, I, this, I don't remember who said this, but it, yeah, it was, right. um, uh, what is not expressed gets repressed. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's exactly well, like, Men now they grow up and they're like rep- they've repressed all this stuff for their whole l- life and then it comes out in explosions. It's like why did why did dad just lose his shit? Like right. That? Whereas it's more <laughs> socially, um, you know, and, and culturally even normal in terms of at least our our gendered upbringing and roles for women to process talk. Yeah, think about uh, sewing circles and quilting, mm-hmm. like and yep. the tales that were like, like you said, in those heteronormative gendered structures that you know serve the patriarchy. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's like we we were, you know, that's why it's like, oh, the women are talking. Well, no, they're processing deep emotional truths to deal with their family and all the, the shit I, that's coming. But I think and men need that too. Like, right, men need it too. Right, and it should be normalized. Like it has to be normalized. Uh, right, be. but I think I get an be. opportunity. I think I get a pass being an artist to get to make things that I get to do. That that's I a nice that's a, so I selfishly mm. get to make work. As a process of me being able to, to process yeah. my my pain, right? So, like, all the, the the reason that a lot of the things I do are so sunny is that I ha- I hold so much darkness in my heart. This is it's I don't know what it is, but I'm like everything comes out is just like sunshine. But it's an it's a way for me to actually express joy in a way that I don't have to maybe feel so self conscious about it because it because it's another thing now it exists outside of me and now it's no longer me or mine but I'm able to express my joy and sunshine where Alicia is a very joyful person and very colorful and I think I think to speak what you said Justin growing up as a man as a boy to a man and I love my dad but he's like. You Especially know, like a he's an old school dude, a like, Latinx. Chicano. Yeah, it's like there's a lot of like uh, right, right. machismo and and Chicanoism and and Latinx culture, right? And it's like you know that I no idea. So like, so I guess that that's when I have kind of a writer's block where I'm not doing anything. It's all, it's it's double folded and and like it's it's a double assault, right? Because I'm not able to process like emotions and I'm also not professionally able to make things right. You know, even this conversation is very therapeutic for me being like, Oh yeah, these are the, what's happening. I get a pass. Right. I'm like, Oh cool. I could go and make a song about no, like, that's your kind of therapy. That's yeah. Yeah, it's not a pass. It's a therapy. I was talking with an acting professor here who is also an actor performing arts, performing arts. We were talking about these famous actors who, who seem in their personal lives to be kind of subdued and, and not very interesting, but then when they, you know, when they're in front of the screen or on stage, it's just like all comes out. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is why people get into acting is because they have the permission on stage 
to let out all this stuff that's been in there and that they don't feel like they can do in their normal everyday lives. No, that's true. I think I think it's 100% accurate. I think that, yeah, I think it's really true. I mean... And not to like, you've spoken to this, spoken publicly about this before, so it's not like a spoiler alert, but I think Lucky had to grow up very early in a very tough environment. And so he was not allowed to have uh, the kind of childhood that most children, like that we want our children to have that's like silly and joyful and without a lot of heavy responsibility and so i think like in terms of you like making children's music you fall into that because it also couples with the fact of like you know they bring up that term of like healing your inner child but it's true like oh, oh heck yeah yes oh, yes true. And i don't think it's like intentional but i truly think that that's i mean i mean well, right no i think that's 100 percent accurate there's a childlike joy and silliness inside of me that i'm i don't express or even when i was a child i didn't have an opportunity to do express you know, and so I'm not necessarily like great with kids, but I think that my work connects with children really well because, you know, there's no rules. There's nothing. There's no boundaries in it. I will disagree. He is exceptional with playing with our daughter. Like I'm the oh, worst. I believe it. I totally, yes. <laughs> People think that I would be like great and make believe play because I'm like mad, like, you know, and I'm just yeah. like is the worst thing I've ever had to do. Like, welcome to the playhouse. It's Peppa. so boring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he gets I, in there really and creates, like, it. worlds and whole backstories. I'm just like, But I think that comes back to being a kid, being alone as a child and being, um, that was what, the, I had imaginary friends. I had, like, the my Hot Wheels were imaginary people. I mean, like, having imaginary situations. Yeah. And it was an opportunity for me to, to just create things. And Alicia's a very... Like you are naturally imaginative. Maybe sometimes, maybe it was more survival for me to have tried it. Yeah, well, we, well, we both in similar We've talked about it. Like, I like to play like a person, like yeah. acting. Like, I like to have like, we have outfits and we do activities and host a ball. And whereas he channels his emotions into like the figurines. Yeah. So we're, right. so we, yeah. we do it differently. But it's interesting. Like, it's dramatic it? play for sure. Oh, we it sounds very complimentary. We do a lot of dramatic therapy in our house too. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> It sounds like, to me, you both are incredibly self-aware and incredibly open with each other. Um, I'm really just uh, just taking it all in. Um, I think it's beautiful. Yeah, it's just really, really beautiful how open you are. And how does this translate your processing of your childhoods, of that expression of, for lucky for you, the, your, your inner child uh, maybe getting to to express himself in a way that he never could as a child, right? Um, how your Midwest upbringing in, in these very pragmatic ways, but then you're, you're for Alicia going to LA and, and being able to, to express yourself as an artist and then digging into your inner work, um, and digging in to support yourself. Um, all of the realizations you had around all of this, how, how has that affected you both as parents? And you have an age spread too. So I'd love to hear like affected you as parents, like with kids of very different ages. A lot of that's a lot of thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think at the end of the day, like for for Alicia and I both, I think we want to lead as examples for our kids to know that being who they are is what's mm -hmm. most important, truly, right? So, and I joke about this, and Alicia's heard this a million times, but you know, if our daughter wants to be, or any of our girls, if they want to be an electrician, 
well then it, and they love electricity and they love being an electrician i want them to be the like the most passionate electrician ever ever to live whatever they whatever their passions that. are that's really what i want for them i feel like that's what we as parents mm-hmm. are able to provide giving them the the awareness and permission just to just be themselves right and i think that there's like there's always like this very linear kind of path and you know north american parenting and and success or whatever that looks like you know, it's like, oh, you're going to go to college and you're going to do this and you're going to get a good job. And then, and then, right. But the problem with that, as we all know, is that there's a never ending cycle. And then people find themselves like around our age or my age and being like, whoa, dude, what did I do with my whole life? You know, like, right. Trying to find themselves. Right. So I think if like for us, (laughs) and for me, I think like trying to just set an example of being like, hey, you can create whatever life you want. Just as long as you're finding joy and hopefully providing joy for other people or your community, then I think it's a, it's a win, right? It's a success, you know, right. and finding whatever it is that they're great at or impassioned about. That's, that's the path. I think, to, I think in this lesson, you know, Lish and I have faced many obstacles and I've had many opportunities, but I also feel that there's a certain kind of courage that we both have like had to give to one another and to each have within ourselves to do it. There's been many times where I'm like, I can't go on. And Alicia's like, you got to keep going. And then Alicia's like, I can't go on. I'm like, you got to keep going. And it's like, Because at the end of the day, you know, Mm -hmm. like I always use this idea, like, you know, I always wanted to go to Tokyo. Right. And so Alicia and I were like, um, I don't remember what year it was, but we were living in Los Feliz in Los Angeles. And Ella was, you know, still she had just kind of started going back to her other family's house to spend some time. And I remember waking up one day thinking like, you know, I've always wanted to go to Tokyo and I was, I've been waiting for an opportunity for like life to be like, Hey, you're going to go to Japan. Right. And it just hadn't showed up yet. I'm like, how much room I got on this credit card? I was just thinking, literally, literally. I was like, how much room (laughs) I got on that? Okay, cool. I'm going to go on Delta.com. I'm going to find tickets to go. And I'm going to try to figure out like when we can go for how long. Cause in my thought, like you're never going to remember the money it didn't have, but I can tell you what it felt like to see Japan, just the coast of Japan as, as you're flying into Japan and what we had for dinner that very first night. I can, oh, I can tell you that. I think that that's how I want to live life. And just even having this conversation reminds me, yes, yes, yes. Keep going down this route Be- because, you know, who's going to remember? And I, can t- I can't tell you how much money we didn't have. I can't tell you any of those things, but I can tell you that it was, it was something that like was so meaningful. And I know it's, I'm not trying to be hedonistic. And I know that you both can speak to this in ways that I can't imagine where it's like, this, is this it? Is this, Mm -hmm. this is the moment, Mm -hmm. right? So let's make something happen. But if you don't, then you may regret it. Just do this, right? Just honor it, honor this moment, honor this relationship, honor this family, honor this existence. Because, you know, so often in the last, like, especially in the last 20 months, we've lost a lot of friends, lost, they're gone now. And so it's kind of like this is all we got right now that I can speak to. But if you can lead by example for our own kids anyways, I think that that's the best thing to do. And our, and our daughters have really benefited yeah. from mm-hmm. that kind of thought. It sounds like, I mean, it sounds like a real powerful perspective on an abundance mindset and not taking things for granted in life. You like really, really focusing on trying to be present and treasuring our time together and treasuring our, our relationships and our family. Like it's some of the most powerful things that we can do together with our time on this earth. Right. Right. And I think, I think Alicia says the uh, scarcity, don't live in mm-hmm. scarcity. Yeah. It's, um, you know, Sark 
Sark. The she's Sark is one of the first people I ever followed um, and still do with my like mindful practice. And she, uh, she inspired me because I, I do all of my, this is just a side note. I do all of my writing, even when I write movies or television or books, I do all of it in marker and first in a, within an unlined giant journal because I like to get it out of my body onto paper. And Sark did that. She's the one that said like, you can't live in scarcity, like right. scarce, That's right. go to abundance town. Yeah, I think we do have a really focused gratitude mm. practice, whether it's like, you know, every time we have a meal, we're like, itadakimasu, and we thank the universe and God and the hands that grew it and made it. And I was telling Lucky, that's another thing to add, Justin. The thing I said, oh, I read this last night in my mindful journal, Lucky, is I think when you asked me that question earlier, it was like, before you get out of bed, think of five things that you're grateful for just really quickly, and then stretch your whole body out in bed, you know? Oh, so I love it. making that a practice, and you hear that all the time, but it's putting it in that a practice. And I think speaking to something that you said, Lucky, is like the path that we're taught, you know, as Americans, which is a Northern Americans, which is all I can speak to. But I I definitely thrived, but that's also led to a detrimental situation. I thrived in Mm. that path. Like I, as a type one overachiever who was also creative, it was very easy for me to see the goal and want to excel at the goal and then set a new goal and excel at the goal. And that's still happening in my career, often to in my life, often to a detriment because you don't live in the gratitude and you always think there's something more. So I think the biggest thing I'm currently learning as a parent and working <laughs> through very mindfully is teaching my daughter, showing my daughter that there are other paths because I can see mm. she's different than me. She's definitely focused like me and gets anxiety, like the, some of the bad stuff about me, but the good stuff about me, but the good stuff about him as well. So she's not going to work in the same way. And I'm going to have personally going to have to learn and give her all that I have into whatever way that is, because the path isn't always straight for people. You know, it's curved and down and up and, and totally not a path. Like she may just like rocket ship to one thing and sail around the other. So I'm trying to learn as a parent that my way isn't the way for her, which we, you know, I was younger when I was um, parenting Ella and coming in as a step parent. So I didn't get the chance to fully use all the tactics I I am able to now. (laughs) But I think like with Indiana, it's interesting when you notice your kids are, are different than you and, and they're teaching you and you're trying to navigate together with passion, with passion and grace. Like That's a powerful observation. And I think something that is amazing that you're honoring in your children and so beautiful. Like that's something that has been a real revelation to me as well. And I look at my kids instead of as mini me's, which is kind of how I thought I was going to, to think when we had kids, you know, like they're going to be like some, you know, uh, equation of us. Right. And then to see you are your own human being, like this is mind blowing, right? And so beautiful. And it's for me to work on kind of myself and my reactions mm-hmm. and my issues and the things that I bring to this so that I can support you and being you. 
Yes. And speaking to that, it's like, um, you know, some of the things we were taught as kids that what are what we're bringing into it that we think is right. Like yeah. One of the things that I, I try to do a lot is I, I'll start I'll start saying something like she'll be doing something, say jumping on our couch. And I was absolutely not allowed to jump on a couch. And I and this was maybe last year I started to say stop jumping on the couch. And then I'm like, wait, do I actually feel that way? Do I feel? Yeah, oh, wow. Do mm-hmm. Pause. Pause mm-hmm. self. Why am I telling her See, to only stop? You, only you can do this. I mean, it's amazing. I'm getting yeah, curious like, about yourself. Yeah, in the moment, creating yeah. the truth yep. of what our familial dynamic is. Like, she's right. not, I know she's not going to go to somebody else's house and jump on a couch. I know right. she can go right. to move and not touch a statue or run. I know, I know who my child is. So if she wants to jump on a couch and not knock something down, like, what? Like, I don't, it's okay. Like these, and I bring that up as like a, a micro thing to a macro situation of who we are and also being open to evolving to what we really want to be in our, in our relationships, right? Like learning from each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying, I have no idea. <laughs> What I'm hearing is how your art and your work has uh, affected your parenting and and the lessons that you're taking into parenting. And I'm wondering if there's anything moving the other way of like Mm. parenting affecting art. And what has that been like? I mean, I think that it's it's a profound experience to 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 be a parent, because I always think that you get optics from your children that you didn't have before, you know, and I remember like. Indiana being small and just look at, she's like, look at, look at the, the, we were on a, on a walk, just her and I, and she's like, look at the trees, look at, mm-hmm. and she has this like, what kind of magic? She has this magic that Alicia has that she's able to see things in different ways. And not that I don't just see a tree, but she's looking up and I thought to myself, we'd been on this walk, you know, a dozen times or something, right. In a lot in that month. And I'd not even looked up and mm-hmm. I'd not taken the opportunity to actually see what was happening from her own perspective and I, was, and I was like, whoa, this is really cool. Wow, this is really beautiful. This is the way she sees the world. I didn't see that. And I think it's been a huge gift for me to be able to see things through her optics, through her eyes, literally and figuratively, because she's also, she comes up with like all these amazing ideas and elevated similar things. And it's kind of like, whoa, like I never really thought about that, but it opens up these opportunities. And Alicia is a little, she's better at being there for that being present anyways. And so like my daily struggle is being more aware and present in that, but it's also gives me the ability to Alicia had mentioned earlier, just to play. I love playing. I love making up things. You know, if we, even if we were adults without any children, imagine if we're like, okay, for the next 10 minutes, you're going to take figurines and you're going to, you're going to make a dialogue. Right. And people are like, this is insane. That's crazy. How, how much better would we all be if we had that opportunity just to play with, figurines yeah, right and just like being artists right and right? just have that therapy of just being like oh, i had a bad day at work man i'm gonna eat your face off you know like <laughs> mm-hmm. you know just even working through that oh it's such a good point such a good point that's authentic relating <laughs> through figurines the way that kids act out various things through play right the way that they um have i mean Play is therapeutic for them. I mean, I'm uh, talking to my friend um, Jenny about play therapy. I mean, that's what's happening. 
and they can act out these traumatic and difficult situations over and over and over again and process through it and work through it openly. Yeah. Yeah. Just making things as, as having art as your job, having kids to not have to make just to make things is also very fun and cool because you're like, Oh, this is why I like making up stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not attached to anything else. Right. Yeah, and and I, oftentimes I, I, like, what is this going to do? It's just like, yeah, oh, you don't have to think about what it's going to do. Right. Cause yeah. we're at points in our lives where we're uh, fortunate enough to make a living off of our art. Right. And that's very stressful. Oh, I can just uh, imagine. Because, because every time we create now, it's like, is this going to be profitable? Is this going? Is someone going to buy this concept? Oh. How how is someone Can above us going to monetize it? Like, oh, yeah. capitalism! Right, it takes the play out. It takes the play out, and so we have to. We try to work through that together sometimes. That's challenging, and it's very. Hard. Alicia, I, now I can imagine you. You you were saying that sometimes you have. Uh, you feel a little constrained in playing with Indiana. Um, yeah. Maybe that's it. You're like, uh, Indiana, this is not going to sell. We're not going <laughs> to sell this idea. Like this narrative arc is not worth but Like this is so derivative, Indiana. <laughs> having to take your magic. <laughs> yeah. I think that I, I've like really feeling impacted by this, like having to take your magic and then have to sell it. Does it kill it? Like, is it, there's something about it that is like antithetical or like, just, just kind of like, or at least changes it. And I, and I know artists in fact, that are in the most amazing talents anyone has ever seen in the universe. And they and, stayed that way because they haven't sold their stuff. Right. But they don't, mm. but they're not in the mindset of wanting to do it. And I think that I'm jealous of that in a lot of ways too. Cause like, wow, like, yeah. like you, oh, like I get it. You just want to do that under a tree and now it exists <laughs> and it's the most beautiful thing. But wow, man, like, oh, well, you could make money from that. But it's, it's awesome as well that they have no consideration for that at all. Only like I wish I was more authentic that way. Well, like I can make no. things up. And I do make Give things up. For just credit. I mean, yeah, we, but I think we're in a unique position as uh, individuals and a, as a couple because basically all the accolades, the work we've put out have been totally from self. So right. like I've, I've definitely, uh, you know, gotten the great many opportunities to do voiceovers or commercials or act in projects, but the true things that have been really successful for us, we've created mm. completely produced mm. it, put it out in the world, you know? So we've had a, a control over the narrative, but also had to put everything into it, yeah. you know? So what you're saying is, of like taking the magic out it's a very fine line we have to find you know like there'll be days where i'm writing currently with my writing partner we have a very religious uh, experience of like showing up every day and you do it for a certain amount of time and some days it's like you know let's just get through a routine and then some days we're like cracking each other up you have those moments like a profound joy and i know you feel the same way when you're working with like michael or your friends in the studio or when we're working together like sometimes we're working on a book right now together and it is like you would think it was the end of our marriage we are just like <laughs> we we have total different work relationships, uh-huh. different ways of coming at it we're like fighting yeah. over a word yep. in a children's yep. book like you know and then then in one moment we're like oh this is like this is great you're creative entrepreneurs and i think uh it's like it is a part of the magic the challenge and the magic right so it's both things at once and it's finding how to nourish the magic and well like yes it's a beautiful privilege to be in this space in many ways to bring the things that we 
feel called to or want to bring into the world. What a beautiful privilege that is, right? But to find the ways to to nourish yourself in a space where you do have to think about how what you're producing is landing. It is it is definitely a challenge. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget we were on a trip to Italy and we're walking through this uh, piazza. There was a band playing and there were these teenagers and they were playing like, I can't remember what they were playing, like 90s covers or something, right? And the whole little town was like all surrounding these oh, four kids, I right? I was like, and it was that? like, the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen because it was that moment that I would recognize in myself, like why we do this in the first place and that magic that burns, right? Because it's like, cause it's awesome. Like the energy that's attached to that. And even thinking about it makes me like so nostalgic and inspired because that's where really the magic really gets really refilled. Right. As a, you know, the, it gets refilled and supported by your community, your partnerships and stuff, but also it was such a magical moment to hear these like kids screaming out like in, in the worst way and the best way, mm. these like songs you've heard it a million times. I think we're playing like Nirvana or so I can't remember what it was, but it sounded amazing in the sense <laughs> that like, it was just amazing. It didn't matter whether it sounded good or bad. It was just, it was like the energy of the neighborhood. It was just so full of energy. Right. And yeah. I think that energy I think is the chase. And it fuels us. It fuels it, that's us. That's the thing. It's, it fuels it's, like I'm looking for that. And that's even moment. more than the validation of like awards. Those are great because they help you onto the next validation. Of, right. Like, of, of, it's energetic of work. Because of the people. At, at its core. Yeah. Yeah, those the, like you, you brought up the words and the things that helps more people be exposed to your work if you're a creative artist. And I think that if your like, kids witness mm. that vibration, it, it's only so beautiful that they experience it together, right? So then they see the like, instrumental things. I wish I could, right? Go. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen my my parents maybe in that way, but I know for a fact that my girls have seen me in like ways that's like, wow, that's really who you are. That kind of that gift is. is like profound because it's like. This is who I am. I think yes. like, you know, Micah, and I know you know who Micah Player is, who il- illustrates a lot of our co- projects and stuff. And Mike and I are always talking about as fathers, like leaving something to our kids, mm. right? What's oh, the that's legacy beautiful. that we're leaving? And I think that that's part of the game too for us mm. is just having uh, this legacy left of uh, honesty mm-hmm. and bravery and and just total just, I don't know, just transparency in the sense that like, I know my dad, like I know that my girls can be like, I know my dad, I know who he is. And I think that that's such Holy, a yeah. rare opportunity, mm. you know, cause we're also protecting ourselves too. Right. And there's a vulnerability mm. that's like, I think you hit on something of like parents and talking about parenting and what we want to give to our kids, letting our kids see us be vulnerable. Like the other day I was crying. Cause I was like, I mentioned I had this peak of like, <laughs> it was all too much again, you know, sending her to a hundred percent and Indiana saw yeah. me, she hugged me and she kind of started laughing. She was like, are you crying for real mama? Are you? And I said, no, I'm crying. Cause I'm feeling my big feelings right now. And I'll, I'm going to move through them yes. and it'll be okay but I'm feeling really sad right now and that's okay. Then it was okay. Then we, then we played again. Right. But like, I think letting your kids see your passion, like your true passion, unbridled passion. Like you said, our kids, our kids see us like live in these huge ways on huge stages for a lot of people. But then they see us in our own home with our, that same passion that's just for them. And that same vulnerability that we can share collectively. And I think that you're right. That really shapes that, that, that also shapes their emotional landscape. It's something I hope our daughter carries forward. 
sharing in your true joys and pain, processing your emotions together, sharing in your art, your creativity, your energetic work, all of that stuff. It's so counter to how so many of us were raised, which was in a performance, a performance of parenting. What are you supposed to do as a parent? I'm supposed to do what my parents did. It's a role, right? Just a role. It's not who we, it's not about who we really are. And I think that we're seeing parenting um, together, and I speak for all of us, but it sounds like we're seeing parenting in a different way. I would agree. I think generationally it's different for sure. And I think that the conversations as like fathers, like I get to mention Micah because he's a creative partner and a man that I work with and have these conversations with about what that's like being of this time and another time that didn't exist and being a product of another time and going into another time, right? And evolving together. Yeah, it's the evolution. And the evolution of, of what that looks like. And, right? and yeah, for sure. And then and then trying to figure out what bothering means, what parenting means, what being a man is supposed to look like mm. too. You know, and I think that like hanging up, like it's an everyday process of being like, like, what are gender roles? Like, oh, I didn't mean to be like that about it. You know, I recently said, and I really regret it. Like oh. we had some friends over and they have two boys and they were like creating a ruckus or something. I'm like, oh, they're just boys. You know, they're just being boy like or so whatever it was. It was That's a, so pa- it was a passing statement because it was the energy. It was just not, it was, it was not thought through. Right. And I felt really badly about it. But these are the kinds of in- situations and experiences that I think dads and people, men of this generation, my generation, are experiencing, right? You know, Alicia and I don't have any gender, you know, assignments to anything, right? Whether they're colors and in fact, we're always fighting against gender norms. But I think I always have those conversations of being like, you know, it's like saying like, hey guys, how you doing guys? Like, oh, yeah. I really didn't. Oh, I'm, like, I'm oh unlearning that hardcore. No, no, no. I think we're all of the generation. We grew up at like, as kids, like guys, what's up yeah. guys? Oh, <laughs> so right as a college uh instructor it's it, over the past several years it's been so difficult because all, all it just slips out it oh, does and that's guys yeah. can you check out this and then so the last year i just made a point i was like i'm just gonna apologize every time i do that and i'm gonna continue I, and yeah, i'll try to do but, better but that's <laughs> an incredible evolution like the fact that these you know it's the unlearning and i mm-hmm. think that's the the i think even letting people see that we acknowledge that we are unlearning by new learning like because i'll do the same thing as as you all paula i'll be like oh i'm so, i'm really sorry i'm gonna restart like hey all i know that sounds stupid but i'm just trying not to say this and even like letting our children see that too absolutely like, that's a big deal. Like Indiana came back from her second day of kindergarten and she was like a little bit upset. And I didn't, I honestly didn't know how to uh, address it. She said, Indiana, or she said, mama, like, um, there's, there's a boy's bathroom and a girl's bathroom and there's not a them bathroom. And this is something I speak to her a lot about. Like she'll be, well, she'll say, oh, they're that, they're them. Let's not assign them pronouns, you know, unless we know, and, unless they've chose, like, cause we have a lot of friends who are children who are they, them. And for the first time I was taken aback about what my answer should be. Cause I didn't expect that to be like the thing she took from kindergarten day two. I was like, well, you know, um, they don't have gender ba- neutral bathrooms at our school. Yeah. It's right. I was just, yeah. I was like, I was like, <laughs> I really was trying to 
fine. Like she'd asked me this real heartfelt thing that was valid. Like I've said, and so I think I said something, I bumbled through it. And then I said, you know, if someone, one of your friends or you or someone needs to, uh, needs to, comes up and doesn't feel comfortable going into either of the bathrooms, let them know that we are safe people to talk to. And I asked oh, her if she wanted me to so send email to the school, uh, requesting the gender neutral bathroom. And she was like, no, it's okay for now. I just really didn't know why they made that choice. And then she turned around like, were you so proud of her? I'm always, this is her convert. This is like her every day because like we said, we talk and process a lot, but she's asking me. It's amazing. I'm so proud of her that like, that's how she's growing up. So she also, so I just feel like an old fogey, like, like <laughs> would you say, God, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like kind of us, which is like, not me at all. As we're learning right and unlearning what we're saying, we are, is their new normal. And that's really, Oh, that gives me like goosebumps. That excites oh. me. It makes me proud. Of yes. So proud. And let them teach us, you know, like we had this, I'm so proud of our, our daughter as well. When, her uh, brother, you know, Max was giving us a presentation um, on why he should be allowed to have Grand Theft Auto. Um, and and she was like, I did the graphic design for him. And also he really was not comprehensive with his pronouns. And then she ended up getting a gecko. And I just I just referred to re- reverted to calling it him or her. You know, I, I had some sort of a gender association and she's like, no. We're going to go by they, them. We, we do not know. Uh, we haven't determined yet. This is, this is our kids are the future and they're growing up with a totally different mindset of what, uh, like, like the automatic things that are coming out of their mouths are so different. Um, and it's really been so powerful for me on learning as well, because now I have, I think I have more grace. To when it comes to my parents' generation, yeah. you know, I, I was at a, at an exercise class the other day and I just met these, uh, th- these people and they were leaving the door and I said, see it, you know, see you later, ladies. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. It just came out. It came out and I do have the, de- right. I have the desire to say y'all because I don't know. I just don't know. And I'm becoming aware of it, but I feel the words coming out of my mouth that have come out of my mouth for 44, you know, whatever, 40 years. And I feel a little bit more for my parents now in that generation because it's hard. Yeah, no, I feel that way every day. And I feel like I'm always misstepping, but always recovering somehow. But isn't that exciting? (laughs) Yes. Isn't that exciting to like And I mean, I think that's the, you know, one of the benefits of being quarantined is that I was in like every single workshop, like every single thing I could virtually do online every app. I'm in like several racial affinity groups. I'm so grateful for those and all these different, different group things that I wouldn't have had the time, time in the same way if we were on the road or if I was driving to uh, meetings, like so I could schedule it, you know, I could watch these things like I'm just, you know, we were stuck on our computers. So I, <laughs> but I think it's like, I mean, I was really charged by that and it was a place to put, you know, the anger that we talked about, the feelings that we're having. If I could channel that into something more meaningful, that's something that also works for me. That if I'm, if I'm trying to make the world better in whatever small, tiny way I can, you know, that's, that's something that really like energizes me and and you can feel it. You can feel that energy. And just, to, I just want to share that I've absolutely loved and appreciated your activism. And I could feel your love for the world and for others through the internet, through social media. You, 
uh, have been a bright light for me. And we talked about being a creative entrepreneur and having to make the choices and having to sell things. But one of the things that I think is so powerful about you both is that you are so authentically true to yourselves. You haven't censored your voices. You've, you've made this, you've made a decision to show up with your, with your feelings and your beliefs and your activism as you are standing for what you believe is right in this world. And I think it's really, really incredible. And I just want to thank you for showing up so brightly, um, in this world, um, at a time of such, such need. I think it takes tremendous courage. Thanks. I mean, I, I, I appreciate that so much. I mean, I remember like not so long ago, we had an opportunity to do, a sponsorship and I'm not going to say the company name, but I would, if I told you to be like, Oh, that's, that's just a no, because like it just didn't speak to who we are. And like, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's like, you know, that's, that's not the kind of underwriting we want. That's not the kind of support we want. That's not, I'm not interested in that because at the end of the day, you have to like look at it and be like, and sure there's Oh, it's a very tricky space to navigate right because if you're like oh if i really dig deep into this or that then it's like, oh, yeah I, right. I can't do anything yeah. <laughs> right. yeah right you're like i can't even and live you, in my house and what he's am I had doing? moments of anger like that like, like what no, am i not man. supposed to do anything yeah like yeah anything? like processing yeah, that yeah, yeah. No, but, but there are opportunities for folks to be like yeah i don't yeah that's a no for me well, like I, I, I don't want any i of think that, i so. i really appreciate that you know and i obviously uh, don't want the I mean, like, it feels awkward to get any kind of praise for doing what's uh, appropriate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, but I do appreciate your kind words. But no, I, I think, think it takes a lot of energy to do what you do. I, you know, energy, I, I certainly don't have and dedication right. and, and uh, proactive. It's definitely to, in my, in my nature, in my being, you know, growing up with a, growing up with a brother <laughs> who was mentally and physically disabled and dealing with the, um, dealing with the prejudice and the um, otherness of, uh, you know, in the eighties, I always just was like, I have to be a champion for the people that use my privilege and my voice to try to do, you know, to amplify the people who, who aren't given the platform, you know? And I I think I also, as a comedian coming from a place of comedy and a, a performer, I, the most powerful thing I always learned was like, you know, you make people laugh and then you pour the castor oil in. Our music, our books, everything have always been that way. There's always been uh, an undercurrent of what it is, what, what who we are. Because, like, I, I'm, I'm very grateful that you see us as authentic and who we present to the world is actually who we are. Because, I mean, that's just the truth. I could, I would, like, no, I, shrivel up if I was, like, pretending. You know, I couldn't, I can't I, pretend. So, like, my book, Bob Thettle Man, came out on Harper's, like, a couple months ago. And Bob Thettle Man isn't about ice cream. It's about a hero. It's about an immigrant hero. It's about a community of immigrants banding together to help one another. That's what's definitely in the story. Yes. You know, it's a children's picture book. Yeah. Like it's fun. Who doesn't love ice cream? It's awesome. The colors are great, but you know, Alicia's always very aware of that narrative, you know, and it's something that I borrowed from her and being like, yeah, what is it I'm really trying to say here? What, what we can all get together over ice cream. Right. And at the end of the day, we can find the commonality that we all share. And then we can also see the, the heroic nature of like immigrants, people in our community, like how, as a community, we individually contribute, right? And just leaning on one another 
And that's really what the stories are about. Like, and I think that's what all of our stories are really about. One of my friends shared a meme yesterday that I think is relevant because I'm just thinking about like our books and things is like they write the book that you, that, you know, you want to see in the world because it doesn't exist and you're going to have to read it 70 times. Like my writer friend shared that, like when you write a book or when we, you create anything, a song, a television yeah. show, you're going to have to live see with that it thing. so much. Yeah. And sometimes art is for joy. Sometimes art is to navigate uh, sadness. Sometimes it's for to bring you know LGBTQIA plus rights. That's what I was saying. Like your your LGBTQ monologue book, like didn't nothing like that existed before. Oh wow! First of its kind. And so like your allyship drove you to write that and and edit that and have that available. So then like Alicia has gotten you know endless amounts of you know, messages or correspondence from this kid in Iowa that bought this yes. book or found it yes. at that's a library. About, but like, right? Hey, that's me. I want to let you know that I did the monologue, this monologue. And it really like gave me an opportunity to be myself. And I just want to thank you. Now I'm going to go to this place or this school or this and do this thing. And, and I, and having that is, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, and I think like, you know, just it's the, the same kind of opportunity and speaking to what you're saying about just the messaging or the narrative and the, the authenticity of that, you know, because, you know, Lish has been an ally, you know, well before I even met her, like in that community. And I think that that's the, those are the gifts, right, that keep, you know, presenting themselves. But she's doing that. And I think that that's, you know, about having that that conversation, that messaging. Right. I mean, like, absolutely. Hey, really? yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is really what it's about. Yeah. I remember when, when I met Lucky, I was like, you're a feminist. You know, that this is what a feminist yeah. is. And you are one. And for years, I still think I don't. Know. He was just like in the end. No, the other day he was on like an interview or a call or something. Yeah, I told you. I told you. I know. I was like, he like you know, but it's those things. I'm a, like, I have to say, I'm a flawed. Yeah, but I'm a flawed feminist. So I don't feel no, good do enough to say. It. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes no. with that. Like, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like we're trying consciously and uh, and subconsciously in our house, I can't speak for the world, but when we create art, we are very mindful, almost kind of too mindful sometimes to be kept, but the outcome is, is positive. You're mindful. You're making a difference. You're using your art, you know, your, that energy that you bring to the world, that beautiful, like it's that pure part of this energetic change shifts that you make. And you're using your art to bring, to amplify all kinds of things, but voices and messages and change that's needed. And you're, you know, enacting change, liberation. Um, it sounds like it's almost like, uh, wh- what is it? That kind of, uh, liberation, um, acting when someone can deliver a monologue and, and share a voice that they, they haven't, um, mm. been allowed to uh, share a voice that's been persecuted. Like, I mean, all of these things that you're doing, you're, you're showing up. Thanks. I mean, I, I'm very privileged as like a white person to, I mean, like, like that's acknowledgement is like, you know, I'm a, a white heteronormative person who was raised with, you know, in a, in a caring, familial background and so i don't have i i i feel like you know i i'm not gonna ever be persecuted Uh uh-huh it's it's powerful as a as another privileged white woman one of the things that i love about what you're doing is not only your acknowledgement of your kind of positionality with that 
an intentionality with bringing things forward and using your privilege to to show up and to make a difference is the fact that you model it. So when people think, all right, I'm learning about white privilege. I'm learning about, you know, the fact that I have not only the ability to show up, but the responsibility to show up. So how do I do it? You're showing that you can infuse the work in all of the different things that you do while bringing yourself to the world. And I just think it's it's modeling something really powerful to people like us who like it's really incumbent on us to do this day in and day out. Thanks, Audra. And I'm definitely flawed. And I've been I've been definitely told, you know, about uh, all the better, though. Yeah, I mean, right, because it's real. I really want I love learning, you know, and like and you're yeah, gonna yep. when you're big and bold and being brave, you're going to fall very hard. I mean, I think that's in all of our ways, like whether you all are you are changing the world, like for the better for children and for all these things. And we're trying to make art and, you know, and and are making art. And, you know, people see speaking to that. It's like people see the successes like everyone's success. Literally during this pandemic, I think I've pitched 25 to 30 projects like huge like i mean different projects with huge meetings with heads of networks and pitch packages and written things and maybe one's gone like one will pop then it'll get a no like there's so many no's and it's so battering because it's yourself out there you know and mm. so we just thank have you for to sharing pay. that <laughs> yeah. yeah thank no, it's you <laughs> Ugh, yeah it's, it's hard good. Well, you're a real, she's a real yes person and no game, you know? So, like, she's always just yes, yes, yes. It's hard yes, to so. stay positive, so. But it's, you are, though. Well, I try. <laughs> you're the most positive person I know. No, well, you need to meet more people. We don't want to use up your entire day. And so we kind of, I, yeah, I know yeah. we could. So, um, <laughs> so I would love to have you back on and we could talk more about this. We'd love uh, to. But as we, as we sort of land this plane, um, I just want to be sure to ask. We've heard about books. You have a new, uh, you have at least one new album. Can you just give us a lay of the land? What is out right now? And where can listeners find out more about you? Uh, we have a new album that came out uh, June. July? I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> it's called Crayon Kids, and it's available where all music is streamed. Yes, Amazon. it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's so it's great. It, it is. So I just wanted to ask about uh, Generation C. So, I mean, the, the album starts off, it, it's, it, is, it is such an amazing song because it I listen to it now a bunch of times because it's like, how does this song make me feel so sad and happy at the same time? Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to ask you about writing this song that is feels feels really emotionally complex. That's a really great question. So basically, it's the last song that we wrote for that eat that album. It the project started out as like three songs and then it turned into nine songs. My writing partner in it. Uh, Michael Farkas, um, who I wrote it with, and Kenny Siegel, who's the other writer on that particular song. It's the only song on our album that has all three of us writing together, because some of them I'm kind of writing by myself. But ultimately, Michael and I split the writing credit. And then, you know, like I'll pass 
something through Alicia unless she's like, oh, I like this or I like that, move that there. So she's like really involved in that process. But in that song, like Kenny had sent a text message and he's like, oh, you guys, like I'm seeing all these songs. We need like a song. He's got this like, he's like a real New York guy. He's like, yeah, I got... Uh, you know, I'm a big bag donuts. I feel uh, I really need a song to put the whole thing together, you know, like I'm a strong sandwich. And so he's like, yeah, we got to write something about uh, Generation C. You know, have you heard about this? And I was like, I hadn't heard about it. And I'm like, what is this? And he's like, you know, and so we're talking, having this dialogue as dads, right, as fathers, and then also talking about what our kids are going through. And then I'm like talking to Alicia, Michael's talking to his wife and partner. And who's a, a th- my best friend. Who's oh, awesome. perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. So my writing partner is Alicia's best friend's from husband college. from college. My best, my roommate from college, who's a therapist. And our husbands now are creative writing so cool. partners. Oh, that's and- awesome. So we are very, uh, we have a very tight relationship, Michael and I. And and I just kind of thought, like, and I had written this little thing. And Kenny's like this really big deal producer. He works with like Langhorn Slim and, you know, Sean Lennon, all these like really important people. And I'm like, oh, and he's like, yeah, you got to go write this thing. You call me tomorrow with a song, and I'm like, "Oh my God, Kenny, watch my song <laughs> right now because I want to show up." You know, I don't want to be like, oh, "No, Kenny, I don't know." What I was like, so I'm like, and you know, I'm like in my room, like toiling away trying to come up with something, and uh, and so I got this like little thing, and I sent it, and I start kind of just we start kind of text messaging it back and forth and yeah, all Michael, around, and, and Michael, Michael and I, and Kenny's like, "This is great," you know. So then we like kind of, and I just, and it's all pulled from real life experiences. Like, yeah, it felt that, yeah. There, you know, like the first lines that there's a life that happened yesterday. I don't remember much, but I know that I can play outside, right? That's all I know about it because our kids have such a short. At least our young children don't have a memory that's that long. Mm, yeah, and then like, yeah. Shortly after that, it was like uh, in the song I remember, like canceled birthday parties was like the first part. I was like, "Ooh, yeah, really like that," and, right? And so, like, yeah, and then yeah. you know, I just love pop music, so I think like my most favorite songs. Like Weezer has a new song called like "All My Favorite Things Make Me Sad." All my favorite songs <laughs> make me sad. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, all my favorite songs make me sad. No, oh, they're the worst. And so, like, Alyssa calls them Moni Gronies. Like, uh, <laughs> the Moni Gronies. <laughs> You know, so I want to listen to like you know the Pixies or the Cure or something. That's like yeah, yeah. But I mean REM totally. <laughs> but at the same time, this song is really joyful too. I mean, it, it, it's like it's kind of owning this uh, this identity, and then also owning all the things that some of the joyful parts. Like I can still play outside, you know. Yeah, and I think that that's the hope in it, right? Like it's just the hope that we all have to have to keep going, and I think that. That's what's really represented there in the sense that I don't know how this will identify with our children. I don't know how this time will impact our our kids, but I know that it'll be a, a monumental time. You know, like I didn't wasn't alive during World War II, but I know that so many things were shaped not. out of the depression <laughs> and the people that came from that time in World War II. You know what I mean? And as yeah, a kid, I was, absolutely. I was like fascinated by World War II history, and still as an adult, I'm fascinated with you know everything that happened during the war, but. I think at this time we'll be, we'll have some kind of, in a very disposable instant culture we live in, this will have long lasting repercussions. So it'll be, it'll be, it'll remain to be seen how, you know, it'll, it'll, it's interesting. A lot of, you know, Lucky's book came out, like he mentioned, and, um, there were creative projects that came out of, you know, obviously of the pandemic like that. And then for me, I, uh, voiced, uh, uh, puppet cartoon type thing on PBS during this time. It's called Pandemic Playhouse. 
It was so incredible. Thanks. Yeah, we did all that. Like we had to record, um, you know, in our little home studio and there were a lot of difficulties, but it was uh, a really great project. And now it's available on all PBS platforms. I play Facty, which is uh, typecasting, I think. It was like obsessed with actual facts and like making sure that everybody knows them. (laughs) (laughs) That felt, Um, um, yeah, that felt true for you. I was like, oh, I don't need to study this character. Like, I got it. But that was really fun to do. Um, I love doing voice of work. And I, I, uh, you know, we stayed very busy. But personally, I... uh, had was able to to pivot to back to writing more intentionally. So my writing partner and I, Meg Swartlow, optioned uh, a movie to Four Leaf Productions. It's an untitled wedding movie. It has a title, but I can't say it. Um, <laughs> so, movie, so we optioned a movie, and nice. um, we've been through like three drafts to the producers, and hopefully, wow, done, and then it'll be out. Is it a comedy? It is. It's a rom com. It's it's really funny. (laughs) I mean, it is really funny. I love it. And I've written like another sitcom and have it with another production company and two shows I wrote for Hallmark. See, like she's so busy that like I just feel like ashamed if I'm not doing something. (laughs) Yeah, you got to. I I, I do too. Um, Just to to keep. But I hear this. It's it is quite a list. I mean, this is quite an incredible, you know, pandemic list of, of things you've been working on. It sounds like you've been going back to your comedic roots. Yeah, I think it's like, it's been an opportunity. I mean, I went to New York University Tisch School of the Arts for acting. So I always, like, I got to spend time at the, you know, on the Sydney Opera House and on Broadway and on television. And then when I met Lucky, like, this weird thing happened with kids' music, and I loved performing. And then that's why I love the television show most, I guess, and the live shows, whereas I kind of work as the uh, producer of things, as we all know, like, now that I'm crazy organized. and Right, right. <laughs> I don't have a songwriting music background except as like a singer. So, you know, and I've always, when I met him, I was touring as a stand up comic. And that's how we met. He saw me on stage at the comedy store and um, stalked me, which was freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so, so wrong. I've always been able to channel like that, and while I was writing, you know, monologue books and acting. But now it's kind of like my writing partner Meg and I actually met before Lucky and I met. We've been doing comedy together live for about fifteen years, and it kind of you know you hope. I always wanted and hoped and like prayed for a, a writing partner that like Meg and I didn't know we didn't know that we were sitting right in front of mm. each other and something happened mm. where an opportunity came up and um, someone said does someone have a pitch for a Christmas movie for this star the celebrity wants to pitch this movie and here's what the movie's about and I said oh I do I had nothing like I literally had that <laughs> with that's how all my stories <laughs> I mean, all of them. I'm always like, yep, I, I definitely do that. Like, I just, I just, we almost sold a show to this, like, other network. And I, because I was like, yep, I've got that. And I'm like, like calling all the yeah. <laughs> And so I called Meg. And because Meg is a, is a, was, has been writing. Um, she's more, um, she has more, acc- she has a lot of accolades. She's won a lot of awards. She's written a lot. She was already a, 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 a screenplay writer. And I called her and said, do you want to write this pitch with me? And we, uh, it's going to be presented with all these other pitches. Like you send the pitches in and then the person picks like, a, you know, 50, hundred pitches, the one they want to go forward to script. And so we worked and we met with the producers and the thing, and they picked our pitch. And then from this was like three years, two and a half years ago. And since then we've like, 
been kind of, I mean, methodically diligent and unstoppable. I mean, we just keep, we show up, we keep cranking it out. And I'm talking, when I say show up during the pandemic with Indiana not at school and he was working in other rooms, Indiana would sit next to me. Our puppy would be on top of me barking. And it would be my coffee was sliding off the bed because I didn't have a desk. I was using a desk on my bed, you know, those like collapsible. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, right, right, a tray. <laughs> yeah, he was at the desk at the recording the new album and working on his book. And so I had the bed desk and then it's like when my, and my computer stopped working, I had an external mouse. There's like neighbors upstairs in the apartment in LA. I mean, it was like the worst working conditions, but it's like, eventually you have something, right? Eventually if you show up and you, to your practice, whatever yeah. that is. Persist. Yeah. 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 Lisha definitely puts that 10,000 hours to test. Oh, I, eventually I'll have something like some movie you'll see when it's like, but in a very short time I've, I've pivoted in a very hard direct. And I'm like, I said, I love classes and workshops. So I also will sign up at nighttime for classes, like actual classes with teachers. And I've been studying again, like it's like my master's and just like do the homework. I've been in screenwriting classes and television writing classes because I'm like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it to my, my top potential. Like I said, like I'm, yeah, I'm I a think crazy person. That's the thing. Like classes are super important to both of us. So go take lessons. I mean, I still take guitar lessons. Lifelong learning, yeah. it sounds like. Yeah. We're yeah. Still, like, taking, like, <laughs> yeah. Harvard yeah. courses. Yeah. Like, we take Harvard online. Yeah. Right. Uh, lots of like biochemistry. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so <laughs> that's uh, important to me too. Though I just have to say, lifelong learning and being around people who haven't thrown in the towel. Oh my! I'm learning. You know, well, like that—that's yeah. sort of like a baseline thing of just you know, I, I don't know, being with people or or uh, generating generating friendships. Like if somebody's like, yeah, no, I just do what I do now and I don't learn anymore, yeah. then yeah, that, we won't be able to connect. Yeah, that's a relationship. I think that like learning and just like, you know, there's a, I read an article once about how people stop, many people stop listening to new music when they're like 50 or something like that, or even oh, younger. No. And I was like, wow, oh. what a, what a lost opportunity that is, you know, because it's like, Oh, what do you listen to these days? And I mean, like there's so much good, great, amazing content out. Like there, I mean, there's no time. You to know, what? I, I was thinking about that in terms of our home decoration. Like I love our home, the home we're in right now. It's very, um, we've every, there's like art from all of our travels. I love our furniture. Every well, piece. We're selling our house. <laughs> but yeah. I, you know, I don't want it to be a time capsule. I like, I think about this mm. as like, lifelong learning. Cause I was thinking about this yesterday. I don't want it to be a time capsule of this time of when we thought everything was okay. Like my mom is my mom. Every three months gets a totally new hairstyle and every six months gets a new chair. Like, and she or a new rug or new and new throw pillows for Wait, every season. Are we going to get like, new furniture? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Like, and a new haircut. Like, yes. Not settling into who you who you think works for you. Yeah. Okay, so I have another analogy. Not settling for. On, on this. Yeah. I just read a review of studies um, like last year on muscle mass in older people, and so. Basically, everybody thinks like you just get older and your muscles go and that's part of aging. But actually, right. this review of all the studies shows that it's actually because people stop moving and stop mm -hmm. doing stuff. And that actually, if you take a muscle cell of an 80 year old and put it under a microscope, the muscle cell looks the same as a 20 year old. And, and, and so it's, it's, so it's really about continuing to work out. And in this review, they had, pictures of like 80 year old 
bodybuilders and they were huge and buff and 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 so basically the idea is that don't stop you know (laughs) listen to new music get new haircuts (laughs) and in the brain too you know and i that's how i felt about moving to savannah too was it was almost like doing crossword and sudoku or whatever to keep fresh it's like moving to a new place you you move out of routine shakes it up right shakes it up right oh yeah for sure because then you're like wait that favorite cafe is no i that's not what it is now let's find another <laughs> yeah. one like i mean let's find something else i think alicia i know alicia is really good at this also because i'm more of a homebody I'm, i, guess I don't I'm, think that's true at all like that's alicia's always on the go you're an adventurer like we're both adventurers in unique ways and i think you're right like new experience is so important whether and i think like as we talked about at the very beginning, it's important to have those internally and externally. Right, right. You know, whether we're, we're what's pushing us, if it's reading new articles and new music or new ways of meditation or new things that are helping us, and also going to have those like new cafes, making new yes. friendships, making things you know, through our kids. I think it's yeah, like, that they're showing us. Yeah. It's all becomes how we can be more whole, I think. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, I, I love agree. the fact that yeah. I tried to land the plane and then it kind of took, took back off. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> okay, so uh, I just want to make sure so listeners can f- just follow you, find out more th- uh, where. Okay, so you can go to luckydeasmusic.com. You can go to the lucky band underscore on Instagram or uh, lucky underscore Diaz at Twitter, or the, I think we have a Facebook too. Lucky uh, Diaz at- band. That's it. Good job. Those. I'm really mm-hmm. bad at these kind of things. I'm mostly on um, Instagram at Alicia Gaddis here, and on Facebook. I talk too much and write too long to be on Twitter that successfully. I'm not good at tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm like, I'm having a ham sandwich right now. But I love, <laughs> I love, but, I, but truly if you message me on Instagram and it's like a question or a thought, or um, I usually try to message everybody back. I like, you uh, know, right new people. Yeah, Beautiful. Yes. Your books at, um, applause books. Oh, well, just anywhere uh, bookstores anywhere are sold. Books are yeah, sold. we can get our books and yeah. our music and Google our shows search. are all on PBS. Mm-hmm. And so. That is one of the most beautiful things is that we are able to participate in the energy you bring to the world, the work that you share with the world in all of these different ways and with our families, with, with our kids. It's really cool. Maybe we could do book reading sometime or something like that. Some sort of like. Anything. Uh, beautiful. Beautiful. All right. So we have three final questions that we ask every single guest. These are just the like really, really quick. (laughs) Succinct. Boom. Yep. Okay. (laughs) And then you both can choose to answer together or uh, separately. But the first one is if you could put a post-it note on every parent's refrigerator tomorrow morning, just put it right there. What would that post-it note say? I see you. I hear you. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. Lucky, do you have anything to add to that? I mean, how can you add to that? I mean, no. <laughs> All right. So the next one, uh, do either of you have a quote that you can recall that you've read, heard recently that's really moved you or changed the way you think or feel? I have one. I was surprised it was it's by Harriet Tubman. But if you think about when you hear the Mm. quote that this is what Harriet Tubman was thinking, it's really amazing. She said, um, every great dream starts with a dreamer. Mm. I mean, if Harriet Tubman was dreaming and doing at the same time, imagine what we can all do. Beautiful. Lucky, do you have one? I have a quote, but I feel I'm going to misquote it. But 
It's an Eddie Van Halen quote. You got to care so much that you, it looks like you don't give a shit. I think it was something like that. So that's our life motto. Yeah, too. Like, in our yeah. Life. No, it really is. Give a shit like you don't give a shit. That's what it was. Something like that. You'd have to look it up. But it's I'm paraphrasing. But yeah, it just means like unabashedly, like openly, like you don't give a shit about repercussions yep. or whatever the fear based things that people throw your way. Like if you say this and this will happen. Yeah, this is like if you got to care enough that you don't care. You know, yeah, yes, yep. that's really what it boils down to. I think. You don't care about what people think. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, and I, I think he had referred to it as his guitar playing. I think they were like, how do you so great? And he's like, well, I cared so much that I didn't care. You know? Oh, and that I, makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's so effortless when he played, you know, when he played, it was like, but it, it sounds like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, become so passionate and absorbed. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That you don't care. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. So the third and final question is, and I'd like to preface it by saying, you know, as parents, we have these times when we might think, oh, you know, the kids like their house is a mess or a lot of work or, you know, whatever the case is. And so we just like to end with this question is, what do you love about kids? We want to celebrate them. So this is that question. I love something, I guess, I hope to seek in myself I, that I hope to re- reflect in myself. I love how they're just, they're unabashed, you know, speaking to that I care so much. I don't give a shit. They're unabashed mm-hmm. joy and emotive feeling. I love when they dance, they um, aren't judging their bodies and their movement. And um, mm. when they, they, when they don't see who's seeing them and they're doing it for the feeling and the music and, and, uh, I think there's, you know, the the profoundness in childhood, the magic of it, and uh, I hope to prolong it. You know, I love, I want to, I want to live in that. I would, I think I was going to say something the same. If not, like, I would say that I love their ability to accept magic as magical. Mm. They just do, and children. It's only that adults we get corrupted into scene. And there's also that famous Picasso quote, you know, are we all unsee by the time we're adults and children really see, I think their ability to accept magic as magical is magic. When you see your kid at Disneyland and it's, or another place and it's like, they don't, they, what they see is magic because they accept it. And I think we can do that. You know, I can definitely do that more so daily. Right. Be like, mm-hmm. you know, wait a second. The fact that we're even existing is magical. Oh, so right. Like, right. Yeah. Why can't, just, and there is magic. I know right? it is. I, I mean. agree. I, I'm always trying to remind myself. That. <laughs> you know, you're like, you know, doing your laundry or washing your dishes or just going through a process of being like, but wait, I can feel like this water's cold on my hands mm. and I feel what water is. And I like this whole experience is like, how's it get existential? But it's like, it's so much, we take for granted magic every day. I mean, we're on a ball spinning in uh, the world, <laughs> hurtling through space. Right. Hurtling through space. Speak it. Yes. It's (laughs) right. I mean, it's mind bending. And for kids to not have be loaded with stories around. I mean, they have stories, but like not the stories, the norm stories around everything. And to be able to approach that all with that wonderment and that those open eyes and what we could experience through them. Like you were saying at the beginning, lucky through their optics, like, that is There's such no rules a to privilege. Anything. They're like if you were if you were to tell right. a kid like oh you can grow back 
like they're like you can grow back a limb okay i'm gonna grow back a limb like it's like like extreme about it but their ability to accept things that are supernatural and or what we consider supernatural is just natural so like you know we can all stand to learn from that i mean i can i agree beautiful Oh, thank you so much for joining us. This was such an amazing conversation. I I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> I can't wait as well. I mean, just the joy um, that comes from being with you, the incredible energy, this magic. But then I just really want to thank you for your for your openness and your vulnerability and the fact that you are uh, really willing to connect with us today. We haven't talked in, in, in a while. I, we've stayed in touch, but haven't had the chance to have a conversation like this and, and that you opened up to us and also to our audience of parents really, really means so much to us. They feel like is going to resonate with so many people. That's really what so many of us are looking for today are real conversations, you know, where, where folks are really getting vulnerable about all of the different things in life, you know, what we're going through as parents and, as makers and uh, entrepreneurs and all of these different things, it's really, really important to share. So thank you. No, thank, thank you, you all no, thanks for, for wanting the- us to come on and yeah. having this chat. I mean, and you know, like, like magic, I told Indiana, our daughter yesterday, that time was like a made up construct. She was asking about time zones and I was like, Oh, I have some time. Like, you know, so we, like, <laughs> yeah. you, pro- you profoundly affected our hearts. So the time is irrelevant when you when seeing your faces and hearing your voices like it's still you you have a you're meaningful to us and so we're so grateful to share this with you so thank you yeah definitely that's so beautiful is mutual we, we all do so, so important to touch so many lives and now you know how crazy we really are <laughs> <laughs> likewise we're in good company <laughs> i think we all are in such a in such a beautiful way that's like, like the human spirit right like it's just awe-inspiring to me well, no, i mean it's it is awesome to see your faces as well hey thanks for listening to the family thrive podcast if you like what you heard please subscribe tell two friends and head on over to apple podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts and give us a review we're so grateful you've chosen to join us on this family thrive journey